Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. You guys can grab a seat. It's good to have you in the house today. Thank you guys for pressing in. Next week, we're going to do kind of a similar thing on on January 2nd. Um, You know that our heart, first and foremost, before all things, is to be a house of prayer. So when we get together, if this is your first time with us, we always pray together. It's the most important thing that we do because Jesus says it, that the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Amen? And so we believe in the power of prayer. We believe what God can do in that. So we pray together all the time. And so next uh, week, we're going to be doing that as we talk about prayer and fasting. Um, through this new year as well. And so um, it's good to have you guys uh, join us on these uh, next two Sundays as we dig in. Uh, we've ha- we, ha- we do have a lot happen in the life of the church. Uh, here's an announcement video to tell you some things happening. Good morning, Reliance community. Great to see you today, Jen. Hey, Matt. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas. Mm, Yes, it was awesome. It was awesome. So what do we have now? What's coming up? Well, we've got real soon, January 7th through 9th is our high school winter retreat. Make sure and get your kids registered for that. I registered my kids last Sunday while you were doing the announcements. On the Church Center app. On the Church Center app. So go there and do that. Absolutely. And then also that weekend on January 9th on the Church Center app. And so you can ask Mm -hmm. after church. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also sign up for that on the Church Center app. And so you can find out how you can get more involved at Reliance and have some lunch. Yes. Speaking up. Annual. Yes. Chili. Cook-off contest, contest. And pie auction. Are we mm-hmm. doing the pie auction this oh, year? I, let's just say we are. We are. I'm uh-huh, sure. Absolutely. It's to benefit the youth, and um, so be sure and be practicing your best. We have um, for today it, me. Yes, I'm gonna win. Anyway, that's really all we have um, for today. Except <laughs> I'm really excited because I've been waiting a long time to be able to say this. Mm-hmm. It's not see you next week, but see you next year. Happy New year. <laughs> All right, so we hope that you guys can come and be involved in some of those things that you heard about. Um, that chili cook-off and cake auction is always one of our big highlights. Uh, it's a way for us to help sponsor our youth um, throughout the year for camps and different things. I got to just brag on Jacob um, and Jordan and all of their youth team. Um, man, on every single Wednesday, hiding. they've moved out of that room over here. They have over 100-plus kids coming every single Wednesday, high school, middle school students. And... And I got to brag on, on, on the why, not so much like how many are coming in, because they're just packing the room. I got to brag on the why. They, they run in fancy things. They just simply attract them with the love of Jesus. And so all of these students, you come in, and it's not like they're running crazy going, we come here because there's, you know, Xbox or whatever. And they probably think that's lame these days, whatever it is, right? But they come in, and they just go, man, we come because we feel the love of Jesus in his presence. I'm just telling you right now, church, it is a beautiful thing to see 120, 130 youth on their face before the Lord. And so just, man, uh, be praying for the youth. God's doing a great thing. They've got tremendous youth leaders as well. So um, yeah, come and support them on that youth chili cook-off. It's a great time. Um, one more thing I just wanted to pray for today before we get started. We've got a good brother. Um, his name is Greg Crumley. He attends our 8 o'clock service. Uh, his wife, uh, his name, her, her name is Dorothy. And uh, Greg is uh, 71, 72, and he fell off a 12-foot ladder just the other day. And um, he's going into surgery today for a bunch of things that got broke 
broke and, and messed up. And so just asking you guys to be praying uh, for Greg. Just want to pray for him now. I believe he's in surgery now. It's like a six-hour surgery. And so we're family. We want to pray for him. So if you guys would, just extend a hand up to the Lord for Greg. Father, we pray right now that you would come in and you would bring complete healing to Greg's body. We pray, Jesus, that your hand of protection would be over him. Lord, we ask in your name that you would reset every bone that's broken and all of the organs that were damaged. God, we're asking in your name you would reset them all. Use the surgeon, use the doctors. Thank you for the surgeon, thank you for the doctors, and thank you that you're a God of miracles. And so, Jesus, we pray over Greg. Be with Dorothy, give her peace, give her comfort in this time as he's in surgery right now for the next four to six hours. We love you, Jesus. You get all the glory in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Um, we are uh, going to jump into today. Again, excited to have you guys here. Um, I'm always, I'm always uh, it, I guess, let down. Anybody feel the let down after Christmas? Do you guys feel that? It's like you go, 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 and then Christmas is over. And it's, it, it's kind of a, a breathe, breathing, a sigh of relief. But it's also kind of a, now what, Right? Somebody's got to take the decorations down, right? That always stinks. And it's like into New Year's, just this after Christmas. And I always feel like this, this in between Christmas into New Year's, just this, I, I don't know, awkward time um, because you've just celebrated Jesus. And so you're kind of like you feel a bit on fire. You're going, oh, Christmas, it's restirred some passion maybe in you. And then you know you're getting to the New Year where everybody in the New Year has to make resolutions, right? I start, and it's like, do the same thing. I'm going to talk about new beginnings and a fresh start, and it's like this really weird time, and so you've got all these people going, so what are you going to make resolutions for in this new year? And you're like, I don't know. Leave me alone, right? And all these people are making their list, and they're asking you, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I need to change. I don't know what I need to do. But you feel this tension that in between the season of Christmas and New Year, that something needs to change in your life. And really, it comes down to, I think, you've got decisions to make. You've got decisions to make. And, and I, I want to talk about decisions um, in the Lord today. And I want to talk about that because I feel like once you behold him, you have to do something with him. Right? So, so Mary's told that she's going to conceive and give birth to a child and he's going to be the king. And like basically she's getting the download from this angel that she's going to give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. And it says, and Mary kind of pondered these things in her heart or some translate, she treasured these things in her heart. She's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Right? The, the shepherds come and they behold the king. They see baby Jesus and they've got to do something with that. They go back, but they leave a little different. They come in and they leave rejoicing. They behold him. Once they behold him, they have to leave and there's something they've got to do with that. The wise man, later on, they'll come and they'll see Jesus and they'll behold him and they've got to do something with that encounter of beholding him. You and I, when we behold Jesus, we've got to do something. We've got a decision. What does our heart, now that we've beholded him, now that we've beheld him, now that we've seen him, what does it change in our heart? You see, it comes down to this is a season of decision making in our life. And I think it becomes a difficult time when we have decisions that are monumental decisions to make in our life. I think point of no return. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? 
we're getting ready to go on our men's ski trip, and we always go um, up to uh, Colorado, and it's beautiful, and it's a great time. But every year, there's these guys, and we go up to the top, and then there's this little level right, right here that says, beyond this point, danger, you know, all of the language, right? And we're like, hey, we're going to hike up there. Do you want to go to some of these new, new guys? And they're like, I guess, let's go, right? And there's this little sign that says, beyond this point is essentially the point of no return. Like, ski patrol's not going to come get you kind of a moment, Right? And you see the faces. It's like a decision-making time. Like everything in your heart begins to change in that moment. The fear. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The fear. If you've ever jumped out of a plane or bungee, like you're sitting on the edge and you've got a decision. Do I let go of this perfectly good plane, right? Do I, do I jump off of this perfectly good platform because something's tied to my ankles? You get ready to do something in that fearful moment, this big decision. Your heart starts really pounding, Right? All these thoughts are running through your head. Did I shut the stove off? Did I, you know, all these different things are running through your head. And it all is, you're, you're, it comes down to that decision of going, do I just let go? Do I just ski down? But there's this point of no return where you go, it's going to happen and I've just got to go. You guys know what I'm talking about. When you encounter Jesus and you've got your eyes set on him, and he becomes everything, and you've beheld him, and you're going, he's it, I'm now, everything that I want is fell in him, found in him. There's this moment where you've just got to let go. You've just got to get over the, get over the anxiety, get over the word, get over what's going to change in my, and you just got to let go. And this is where I feel like this tension is between, between Christmas Eve and New Year's, it's a decision of going, will this be the year where I just let go? And it's a decision that all of us have to make in our life. It's a point of decision of saying, now that I've met him, what will I do with him? And it's a decision of going, I just got to let go. In Colossians chapter four, we've been in, in Colossians uh, this whole month, and I just want to finish up chapter four so that we can do it justice. Paul is going to give some final instruction. See, Christ's sufficiency he's talked about um, in the book of Colossians, the beautiful nature of Christ's supremacy, Christ's sufficiency, that you've been bought with a price, that you've been transferred into his, say these words, continue steadfast about on Christmas Eve, and then in Colossians chapter four, he's going to say these words, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, we're going to do some work on that next week when we talk about worship, word, and prayer in the new year, but I want to focus on this verse 5, and this is what he says in verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of of the time, or as the NIV would say, make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This, this is, I love this verse in verse five that says, make the most of every opportunity or use your time to the best of your abilities. And so what do I want to do with, when I make a decision in this season to follow him, what do I want to do with all of the days of my life? 
from this day forth of my life, all of the days of my life, am I willing to waste my time, waste my days just to be in pursuit of him? That's what I want to do. And I hope that, that just as we kind of go through the word today, I hope that your heart is stirred to understand that you can't look at Jesus in the manger or look at Jesus here in a few months when we do Easter on the cross. I hope that you can't look at Jesus, behold him, and just go, I'm gonna do nothing with him. You'll either walk towards him or you'll walk away from him. Because the word that he says, if you try to stay in the middle, I'm gonna spit you out anyways. Amen? So, um, there's these two words that we talk a lot about in church life. Uh, these two words are commitment and transformation. Um, once we encounter the Lord, these two words are gonna be a part of your life. There's a commitment that's going to have to happen in your life and a transformation that's going to happen, have to happen in your life. Um, things will not go back to the ordinary is really what I'm trying to say. Uh, once you have an encounter with the Lord, I think everything begins to change. I, I shared this uh, a few years back when my nephew Braden was young. We did a live nativity um, near Arlington where our farm is at and we're walking through these different um, stages of Jesus's life and one of the stages was Jesus um, healing the lame man who was brought down low from the ceiling. I don't know if you remember that story, but they opened the roof and the lame man was coming down and as the lame man came down, this guy playing Jesus comes up and he heals this lame guy and this lame guy stands up and obviously we know that it's a nativity, we know it's a play, right? But my nephew at the time who was like six years old, just wide-eyed, he goes, how is nobody excited about this, right? <laughs> he, he, he was lame and now he's walking and he's running around and he's telling everybody, the guy was lame and he's just been healed. And how do you tell a six-year-old, well, that's, oh yes, true, but this is just a play. So nobody told him, right? And so, so this whole time as he's walking through, he's seeing these things and he's so excited because of what he's seeing. There's a faith building in this little six-year-old that nobody can take away from him. And when he left that live nativity, we were at that house, we were at the farmhouse doing Christmas together or whatever, and he was, so, he was like, was that not the greatest thing ever? You see, it went with him. He didn't leave it there. He didn't say, well, that was nice. That was a, yeah, that was a good Christmas story. It changed his little heart. Church, this is what happens when we encounter Jesus. You're not going to leave the same. It's a decision that you have. To, I'm either going to walk towards him and everything is different, or I'm going to walk away from him, but I'm not going to stay in the middle and just be the same. It's going to be something in my life that changes. Now, we've talked a lot about this word desire. I want Before I talk about commitment, I want to say that there's a difference between commitment and desire. I just want to repeat this before the new year comes. I think all of us in this room would agree um, that if we love Jesus, we should have a desire to follow him, amen? We should have a desire to follow him. Um, but I, I believe that that word desire can be detrimental to us as well. And I'm gonna tell you why I believe that word desire can be detrimental. The word, the problem with the word desire is that some want to repeat it again and the desire is enough. And I, I say this over and over, I just wanna repeat it again. In Mark 8, 34, Jesus says, 
Whoever desires to come after me, his life will lose it. Whoever take up his cross and follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. And this for my sake will save it. He didn't use the word desires to lose their life. He says whoever loses their life for my sake. And I say this and I put this on repeat, which is what he's saying. If you, wanna, if you desire to come after me, there's something that's gonna have to happen to your life. You're going to have to lose it. Desire is not enough when you behold me to say, I love you, I like you, I think I want my life to be in you. I desire it, but I'm not willing to do anything about it. This is where desire is different than commitment. To desire something and to be committed to something are different, amen? And yet, we'll spend so much, I, confession, will spend so much of my life saying, Lord, I desire you, I desire your word, I desire a prayer life, I desire to treat my wife better, I desire to be a better father, I desire these things, and he's going, I hear you saying you desire, do it. Be committed to it. Put things in action that are gonna show that your desire matches your commitment. Your desire matches your, everybody say commitment. So this is where we're at. Desire can be deceptive, but commitment is what you'll see in scripture. In John chapter six, one of my favorite places of scripture, Jesus, um, and I like it because you see a distinction between those who desire to come after the Lord and those who are committed in the Lord. In John chapter six, I'll pick up with verse 26, Jesus is you know, doing miracles and he's fed his 5,000 and he's been doing these things where crowds of people are just coming after him now. Just more and more crowds. His, his, he's growing this thing like crazy because they love what he's doing. And in verse 26, Jesus starts to give, I feel like one of the best messages between desire and commitment. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Look what he says. Spend your energy seeking the eternal things that the Son of Man can give you. Waste your time on eternal things. Spend your time on things that matter the most. What are you going to waste your days doing? Now that you've beheld me, what are you going to spend your time doing? And Jesus says, spend your energy, spend your time seeking the eternal things that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's, good, God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is what you should do. This is what it is. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. What's your job? Somebody say to believe. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe what you can do. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. So here's what he's trying to say, right? They're saying, Jesus, so that we would believe God, God rained manna from heaven, so what are you gonna do? So then he says this, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't, true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Jesus feeds you and sustains you and takes care of the bread of life. In other words, 
I'm going to be the thing that feeds you and sustains you and takes care of you. Trust me. Give yourself over to me, and I'm going to be the one who's there for you. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again, be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Amen, church. Jesus' response is great because he's basically telling them, you're after me because you desire something that you think is going to be for your desire. I'm looking for asking them a deeper question. I'm not looking for your desire. I'm looking for your commitment. But they're just not quite getting it. They're not really understanding it. They're like, okay, this is good. It's building. And so then he's going to jump into verse 60, and he's going to tell them something really difficult. Of my blood, he wasn't being weird, all right? He was simply saying, I'm going to die on the cross, and when you take communion, it's going to be a reminder of my sacrifice. It's going to be a way in which you commune with me. And so he's going to really work through this, eat of my blood, eat of my body, and drink of my blood. It's going to be this weird thing, and they're really working through this, and then they're going to say these things in verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? or you're going to hear his word in when you're pursuing the Lord where you're going to read his word or you're going to hear his word in your heart and he's going to direct you or lead you somewhere and you're going to say these words this is very decision are you going to let go of it and you're going to be at a moment of decision are you going to let go is he it for you Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. Do you know that Jesus is aware when you complain? Did you guys know that? I just want to make sure you knew. (laughs) So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? And he says, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are the spirit, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said in verse 65, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. This is one of the most heartbreaking things you read. The ESV says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You're either going to walk towards him or you're going to walk away from him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked that question, are you going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom else would we go? You are the one who carries the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. I think what this scripture really shows in this moment is for those that desired to follow and those that were committed to follow. In this moment, I think what you're gonna see is the distinction between those who are traveling with Jesus and those who are in conceive in the new year. Are you traveling? It's a question that I wanna ask you in this in-between season of Christmas Eve and the new year. Are you traveling with him? Are you committed with him? Are, are you traveling? Is You like kind of the things that he does. There's a feel good when you're with him or are you straight up committed no matter what happens, I'm with you in life and death. There were those who were there for the free bread and the fish 
the messages that inspired them, and there were those who simply were there because Jesus was enough. And this is why Peter's response when Jesus turned to them, Lord, to whom else would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Peter is saying, we are committed with you no matter what. Now, it's a beautiful picture that Peter said that because Peter's the one that would deny him, right? So it's not to say, we're gonna say this and we're gonna be perfect. I'm gonna be committed with you and I'm gonna be perfect. I'm gonna give you my life and you're just gonna work it out and I'm never gonna screw it up. I mean, the one who said it was one of the biggest screw-ups, amen, church? And I've said it like four miles behind me, man, right? With you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And he's like, you are, but you're like four miles behind me, man, right? So, so it's not to say you're gonna say this, I'm, I'm committed and I'm never gonna screw it up, or I'm committed and I'm gonna live perfectly. He's just simply making this confession. Peter's going, why we're with you isn't because you fed us, and isn't because you, you fed the 5,000, and isn't because you did miracles. Why you're, we're with you is because you carry the words of eternal life. You feed us constantly with your presence. You feed us constantly with your word. When we're with you, Jesus, it's like we And then the other group. So Peter's going, this is what I'm after. And then the other group no longer walked with him as they turned back. And the word says that they no longer walked with him. Why? Because they were offended that Jesus would offend their way of life. Does this offend you? So when we talk about commitment, I think sometimes we need to understand that commitment isn't about perfection, but commitment also isn't just these superficial things that we do with the Lord. Uh, and, uh, man, I wasn't trying to hammer down today, but I'm going to hammer down today a little bit, right? <laughs> we can do superficial things with the Lord. We can do superficial things with the Lord, and it can look, we can look the part. I can carry this thing around and be like, got my Bible today. Yeah, got like 10 of them. I know, I know. Just went down to you know, the Bible bookstore, bought another one. I know, it's no big deal, right? We can look superficial with the Lord. We can go to all the Bible studies. You can go to church, and then you, you can go to Bible studies and men's groups and women's groups. We can do the superficial things. We can say, we do it all, and yet all of those things doesn't mean you're committed to the Lord. Isn't about what you're doesn't. Because this moment of decision of going, I'm beholding him, isn't about what you're doing. It's about who he, what he's doing inside of you, who he is in you. And so this commitment isn't a superficial thing. Like, we're following you because of what you do. No, he's going, I know those of you who I'm offending right now. He says it. I know those of you who are complaining right now under your breath. He knows you, right? And he's going, I, I, superficial doesn't mean commitment. I wonder how many times we could ask as we read God's word and certain portions of it, if we just ask our own heart, man, does this offend me? And I wonder if in those moments of being offended by the Lord, if we're just going, I just don't think you're enough. I just, your words are not enough. You're just not enough. I just wonder how many times in my, in my own heart we can give those places. Com commitment, though, it's not just a superficial thing, but Commitment is also one of those things that's just all, always going to, um, it's one of those things that's always going to invade your life in inconvenient ways, right? Inconvenient ways. It, it's, it, commitment is not always going to be this convenient thing in your life. Uh, Jesus is going to say, many of his disciples says, this is very hard to understand. How can we accept it? 
And he says that Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, and he said to him, them, does this offend you? Um, the crazy thing for many uh, believers, I feel like, is that Jesus' word, Jesus' word in these moments is not always going to be convenient to your lifestyle. So it's not superficial, and it's also not going to be convenient to your lifestyle. Why is that important? Because at the end of the day, his word is supposed to mess your lifestyle up. Somebody said yes, right? His word is supposed to mess that lifestyle. You're not supposed to be the same. When I behold him, I'm not supposed to leave the same. It's supposed to be different. I'm going to add this one to that. Jesus, when he calls us to commitment, it's not supposed to be compartmentalized. Compartmentalized means when I'm at church, man, I'm a great representation of him. But when I'm at work, that's my box. I'm going to compartmentalize my relationship with the Lord when I'm here, him. But when I go to work, I'm all after it. I'm fully committed. I, I want him. But when I go to work, that's, that's my space, Jesus. I'm not going to go all after you because I'm at work. I'm not going to really pursue talk tell people about my greatest desire of eternal things because, because I'm at, you guys hear what I'm saying? When I'm at the gym, Lord, that's my space. When I'm at, you know, the club, that's my space. Like, sometimes what happens is God wrecks our life and we get all churchy with it. We're like, yes, when I'm at church, I feel him. All hail King Jesus. And then I go to the gym and nobody sees a difference in me because I don't all hail King Jesus in the gym because that's weird. Or I don't all hail King Jesus at work because that's weird. So what happens is, is we begin to box God in, in church things or in religious activity or whatever, I'm, I'm in because I've, behold, I've beheld you. But when I go to my other places, I don't always give myself over because those are my spaces. And I don't know how people are gonna respond to me. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I feel like hear say this all the time. This isn't about you trying harder. It's not about you trying harder. I'll say it one more time. It's not about you trying harder. He even says human effort will not do. Sometimes we think transformation is about a list of things in my life. You ask somebody if they've experienced transformation in Jesus Christ in their life, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't cuss as much. Okay. You say, have you experienced transformation in your life? Yeah, yeah. I make sure that I don't skip church for football season, right? Somehow, not cussing and not skipping church during, during football season translates into transformation. Just gonna share with you, that's not transformation. Transformation isn't about a list of things that you can change in your life, a list of things that are do's and don'ts, right? Transformation is the power of God, Holy Spirit coming in you, and everything in you gets a little messed up. Transformation says that when I see you, it's not about you don't cuss a little thing from you. Transformation says I see the radiance of God beaming from you. When, when you speak, it's not the words just that you say. I see life teeming in you. Right? Come on, church. 
Transformation. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. A guy named Dave. Dave. Dave always says this in our men's group on Thursday morning. He says, change is something that we can do. It, right? We can change. You're going to make changes in the New Year's. You're going to say, I'm going to make changes in my diet. I'm going to go to the gym. Change is something we do. But Dave says this all the time. Transformation is something only God can do. So, so transformation is what we need in this season of decision making. Before we get to 2022, you're going to make some changes. But transformation comes from beholding him. Yeah, let's stand up. We're going to sing that song, You're Still My First Love. Is that the one you're playing? <laughs> Perfect. We're going to sing that song, You're Still My First Love. We're all standing in the room, and I'm just going to say, when we start to sing this song, I don't want you to think of the lyrics up there. I just want you to lock eyes with him. I just want you to behold him. And I want you to get to a moment where you have a decision in your life. I'm either going to walk towards him or I'm going to walk away from him. But you're in a decision-making season right now. Am I committed to him? Am I committed to him? Am I transformed by him? Or am I just a traveler with him? And I just I want to throw this out because I don't want to throw darts too much. I want to say this. If you're just traveling with him right now, okay. Okay. Don't run away. Continue to travel with him. But know there's a time coming where you've got to make a decision. There's a time coming where you're going to read his word. And you're, you're either going to be like, oh, i got to walk away or I'm going to walk towards. As you're traveling with him, as you read the word, as God downloads on you, I'm just simply saying, there is going to come a time of decision in your life. Will you be committed? Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, Go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.